Hello and welcome to The Prestige, a podcast about films and filmmaking for film lovers, by film lovers. And at the moment we're looking at the work of various directors. Um, We take a different film each week by that director and we look at it from the point of view of a particular theme and we often relate to the other films by that director. And we end with our recommendations for further films, either based on that theme, based on that director, based on the actors involved, that sort of thing. And we also start with a segment about what we've been watching this week. So, Rob, what about you? Uh, Well, over this week I've got, as always, a a good and a bad, a a mix. So I've actually watched two films in the last couple of days, one of which um, is a rewatch, one which is a new film to me. Um, so I've watched, and, and this is no surprise to anyone who knows me well, I've rewatched the 2014 Godzilla movie. And I think it's brilliant. I love that movie. I loved it when it came out. Um, I haven't really watched it since it came out, though I owned it on Blu-ray. And I thought, you know what, for an evening I'll get a deep from Blu-rays down and I'll pick a movie to watch, rather than going to Netflix and spending hours scanning different options. I went with that. So I watched Godzilla. Um, it's a very different film to the 90s Godzilla, and I think a lot of people were expecting it to be far more... Cloverfield-esque smash-bang action, and that isn't what the Godzilla films are. Um, but I really loved it, but I appreciate it didn't get all the love in the world that maybe I think it should. My second film is a a much less known film. This is from 1998. No, 1988 even. I started it. Um, I collect VHS, as I've mentioned several times, and I'm making an attempt to try and watch some of those VHS that I've never seen. Um, and a lot of these are obscure horror movies. Some A lot of these are bizarre 90s, 80s. Um, sort of slasher gore films and this falls strongly in that category um, and that's the film which on my dvhs is is labeled as rejuvenator but six on imdb as rejuvenatrix essentially a um a scientist invents a de-aging serum but it has the side effects of turning the um patients into homicidal sex demons um, as it does, um, it has some great effects. The gore is, you know, the, the people are watching these films for the effects, for the slash and the blood and the gore horror, um, and that may tie, tie nicely into this week's film. Um, it hasn't got a great storyline, it hasn't got great acting in it, um, but it certainly does have uh, some effects to to mention. It's one for the, for the horror hounds only, and probably only one for the VHS horror hounds. Um, it was fun, but I wouldn't recommend it particularly honestly for, for for general watching. What about you, Sam? Right, well, um, I mean, I I watched a film last week, so I can't have gone around to watching a film this week. I've had this month's allocation. Um, But I have been watching a new series called Derry Girls, which is a series on Channel 4, comedy series... Um, telling the lives of various teenage girls in the mid-1990s in Derry in Northern Ireland and it's I mean it's it's very well judged all the cultural I know this as someone who was a teenager in the mid-1990s the the cultural references are all great and it's not I mean it's half an hour episodes which is something quite rare nowadays and each episode is a self-contained little story and there's nothing to um you could i suppose a, a 
comedy drama about the troubles in Northern Ireland could lean very heavily towards the drama and this doesn't too much and there are lots of comic moments lots of good performances and I've just been enjoying this I'm glad. I've seen it advertised heavily but I must say I haven't caught it myself yes I I mean it, I'm not a huge fan of lots of things that get advertised heavily on Channel 4 but I thought this this seemed quite good and as said only half an hour episode so not too much time wasted if it turns out to be terrible and it was quite good well guys but this week we are um wrapping up our nicholas winding reffin month um with his most recent film uh, from 2016 the neon demon I see 20 or 30 girls come in here every day from small towns with big dreams. Some girls crack under the pressure. You, you're going to be great. The Neon Demon is a tale of Hollywood models, LA models, their sort of bitchy backstabbingness and the sort of soulless world in which they inhabit. Um, we're going to straight into spoilers real fast with this film because I think it's impossible to talk about it in any kind of sense without moving to spoilers. Um, so that this is your this is your final warning. Um, but it dissolves soon from sort of tense. Um, intense kind of uh, visual play into more kind of horror-based fear and certainly blood and guts towards the end it has uh, ellie fanning as its main character jesse who we are following um but she's surrounded by a plethora of beautiful women and weird exploitative men um and it's about her growth in this industry and and all of that it's a hard one to describe because like as we discussed previously there isn't loads of plot in these films um, there's not a lot of dialogue, it's a lot of the visuals. Um, so, Sam, as we've gone on this journey through uh, Winding Reference back catalogue, this feels like the, the most the most winding reference of Winding Reference films. Um, but I'm intrigued to know how you sat with it. I, it sounds a strange thing to say about this film, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew it was a about um, the model scene in Hollywood and ice, but California, the West Coast, um, and I suppose I had preconceptions about what it would be like. And as with another film from very recently that I really enjoyed, um, Get Out, it was entirely sort of 180 degrees different from what I expected. Um, the performance is very good. Um, he, lots of, I suppose there aren't that many famous actors in it, but I suppose someone like Keanu Reeves is. I mean, I've I've been quite harsh about Keanu Reeves in the past, but he was he was very good in this, as as a as you said, a horrible exploitative man. Um, and there are many other good performances from similarly horrible exploitative men, but the 
the refreshing thing about that, I suppose, was that the women were just as horrible and exploitive. I thought Christina Hendricks' character, who only appears at the beginning, um, was was horrible. But in this film, weirdly, she's the least horrible person that you meet. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, and as you said, we were straight into spoilers very quickly, and it turns out that Ruby is predatory and ends up killing Jesse and there is a, a big bloodbath at the end you see the aftermath of and I thought even before we knew anything about Ruby I thought there is something deeply creepy about her and I don't like the relationship that she has with Jesse and then you have the I mean it gets weirder and weirder and you have sexual overtones and then you have an attempted rape and then you have you have her hunting Jesse down and helping the other models to kill her um and and my my suspicions were borne out but even before that the way that they interact the the, the way that the actress plays that character it was really really I mean enjoyable is the wrong word but I did really appreciate what was being done I also thought um, and it's something that we saw and you've mentioned in the nightclub scenes in Pusher the sort of the link between visuals and um, sound and um, sort of a, a more getting into a more abstract side to Nick Winding Refn's character. There was I I thought that was the this was the culmination of that. Some of the scenes with the um, the model shoots at the beginning, mm. um, and I suppose the more some more psychedelic episodes with involving Jesse. I thought that was a that was a nice um, resolution to that. Um, that method of filmmaking that started sort of tentatively in push. No, I really enjoyed it. Because I, I, this is almost for me a mirror of you from last week with Drive. When I first watched Neon Demon, I wasn't sold on it. I thought it was very much style of a substance, but I didn't think that it earned that style. Um, but I must say, this week going back to it, I've I've done a 180 on it. I've done a Sam Knowles on it. Um, and I've come back to really enjoy it. I... The having always having the knowledge of how it ends um, and, and where it's going gave me a fresh appreciation for the work done to get us there. Um, the foreshadowing, the very first shot we see of of, of Jessie is her covered in blood, um, lying almost dead, dead eyed, even dead on on a couch while shooting with Dean, um, mm. and all the sort of the the, the which I thought was strange weird acting um on the previous view through on the second time around i really kind of bought into that idea that you know, this predatory cult if you want to call it that um there's certainly some sort of um, ritualistic element uh, to ruby's involvement in, in in the murder at the end um but yeah no, I, I bought into it you know it, it's very evocative of you know um sort of the italian giallo films it's very evocative of um, Dario Argento it's very evocative of uh, Grand Guignol the theatre from Paris in the 1900s when it was you know that kind of naturalistic horror that you know the, the this isn't pretty up horror this isn't you know this isn't the uh, the sort of shiny horror of a lot of Hollywood films this is kind of creeping dread and and the uh, mm. sort of 
the end, the, the sort of the coda, if you want to call it that, really. Um, the next day with with the two models, it's straight out of Cronenberg uh, body horror. You know, the the, the, the this idea that uh, the the sort of consumption of of Jesse as a uh, as a body, the, the the thing she had, the beauty she had, gets passed on to these models. Um, and and their the, the, and Ruby and their ability to handle that and the, the essence passed onto them is sort of manifest in three very different ways. Um, that kind of yeah body horror, I suppose, is what really um, really brought me in. And I suppose that's one thing that I sort of if you wanted to sort of start talking about themed ideas, this idea that the film has about beauty and there, there's a, uh, a fashion designer who talks. You know, he says this line, you know, beauty isn't everything; it's the only thing. And certainly in this mm. world, it is. It is the only thing. And Jesse has this kind of this essence of beauty um, that it is more than being pretty in many ways. Because um, I think it's one of those things, you know, those who know me, I, I used to work as a photographer for a little bit. And it's a lot of work goes into making models look like models. And I think it's very notable that all three of the models, when they are shooting, in inverted commas or working they look very different to how they look when they aren't working um jesse mm. in particular um it's very pretty girl um but when she's made up and done up for the shoot it's a very different person almost alien like um particularly in the the shoot she has the book with the gold on her face and then the the catwalk in which she has her hair done up in these kind of um alien like um sort of braid yeah, I I struggled to recognise mm. her in that catwalk. Um, but that that so. this idea that you know, that was done very well. But somehow that beauty's more than that. Beauty's more than just you know, the aesthetics of it. And you know, and if you look at the um, this character of Gigi, is it Gigi, um, her sort of the other um, model who she works mm. with, who's had a lot done plastic surgery wise to sort of make herself. She ticks all those boxes. Um, but it isn't until she ingests the essence of Jesse that she gets noticed on a shoot um, and kind of uh, gets called into she can't handle that you know, the, the, the fakeness of her beauty means you know, she, she's unable to handle this essence that's given to her um, and thus the, the, the sort of the end scene in which she, she disembowels herself um, but it's a beauty is this kind of sort of commodity in many ways in a way that outside of this industry it isn't treated we all have people we all have people who are beautiful but this is a very different sort of beauty that's bought and sold, um, but also unattainable. Hmm. Yeah. I did... I thought this this film... That, that closing scene, that coda, makes this film. Yes. I think it was... If it ended with sort of with Jenna Malone in a bath covered in blood or that, that sort of aftermath scene in the blood everywhere you think well that's just a straightforward slasher I mean it's it's good and like you said there are I mean elements of existential dread about the, the way that the horror is, is packaged but if he didn't have that scene with Sarah and Gigi at, at the shoot afterwards and the the eyeball and it, it, the very very real consumption that's gone on and you understand what they've done to Jesse I think like like you said I mean th- this is this is a film about beauty and beauty not being skin deep or the beauty being the only thing but it's also a film about consumption it's about um, 
the extent to which the model industry chews up young women and it, and actually I mean metaphorically consumes them mm. I suppose and you have that that scene with um, I don't know who it is either Sarah or Gigi um, in in the room um, and one of the models says something about in, in this industry your career is over at 21 and the stylist says her try 20 and it's that mm. sort of idea that you are entirely expendable that's what the industry does to you and this this very real I mean it make, making really horrible and obvious this idea of, of people being consumed is something really powerful at the end the end of this film that I think it, it would have it would have been a good film without it but not a great film and I think this is a great film the way I, 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 I agree I think the, the film has this idea about sort of as you say about the narcissism of this world and I think if you watch the film with, with that in mind the, the, there's a very clear sort of visual iconography there are mirrors in almost every single shot multiple mirrors and you have these girls who are um sort of so self-obsessed but it isn't self it's it's a reflected self it's the idea of they don't care about themselves as much as how they are viewed and that's why this you know there's a scene in which i think um gigi is it gigi uh maybe sarah smashes a mirror um so sarah smashes the mirror having not got the uh the casting um she isn't angry at herself and there isn't it isn't self-harm um, it is it is it is reflection harm. It is visual harm. It, she, she is angry at the work, the way in which she is seen. You know, it's, uh, Gigi just cares not how she is, only how she looks. And there's a definite switch in Jessie's character in which, after that fashion show, in which she suddenly starts to realise, oh no, like she starts to see herself how she is seen. Um, and, and there's, a, there's a, a nice shot, there's a triptych of her embedded in mirrors, in which she kind of kisses her own image. Um, and that's the moment in which she starts to buy into her own hype, and then and then the root when, when she's living with Ruby, you start to see she's being overcome by um, uh, sort of this this view. But it, it's all about these visuals of being seen, you know. The, even to the smallest, you know, the you've got Kelly Reeves, who's essentially playing he's playing a paedophile rapist in this in this uh, in this movie. Uh, talk about the girl in room two fourteen, um, which he he describes as real Lolita shit. Um, to Dean, and it, he doesn't—he doesn't say to him go in that room. He doesn't say. You know, he just says go, go take a look. Go take a look in that room. It's, it, it, it's all visual. It's all voyeuristic. Um, and yeah, it's 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 all about the look. And, it, and it's it's you know I think, I think I can't remember where I saw it, but an issue is an interview with Nicholas himself saying, you know, imagine being beautiful. Imagine knowing you're beautiful. How horrible that must be. Um, and it is that, that kind of that you know narcissistic view. Suddenly realizing, well, you are more beautiful than other people. And how do you embrace the idea that you are better looking than everyone else? Um, you know, I mean, mm. it, it, to, to open up this behind the scenes a little bit, Sam and I went to a, a grammar school, selective grammar school. And that school is very, our school is very much like, you are the smartest kids in the country. You are top 2%. Um, and I know some of our, some, some, some of our competitors and, and, and ourselves went to university, not going for Sam at Cambridge, the rest of us we went out to normal universities. Uh, there was this weird moment of like, you go leave that school thinking, well, I'm smart than all of you. And sort of reconciling that with the real world, which, hey, you aren't. Um, but uh, it, 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 that idea of, like, 
being built into you by everyone around you, by the world you're in, that actually you are better than everybody else. And Jessie, at the end, part of her downfall is her belief that she is better than everybody else. I can't remember the chronology. I think it might be like you were talking about. She starts to buy into her hype, and it it might be that that scene in the restaurant with um, Rob and Dean and the other models. And I think that comes shortly after this starting to buy into her hype bit on the on the shoot when she kisses mm. herself. And it's like she's started to become part of this industry. That voyeur thing is really interesting because it's not just... That's one of the the really good things about this film. It's something I mentioned right at the start, that it's not just the creepy male gaze. It's not just um, Dean looking through his camera right at the beginning or Keanu Reeves talking about the the girl in 214. It's everyone is a voyeur. or Everyone is a voyeur, as you have... That shot with um, Jenna Malone right at the end, Ruby, and she's she's just watching the models in yes. the shower as they shower off the the yeah. aftermath of this this scene where where Jesse is killed. But you have, and you're not sure whether that that gaze is a is there something? I mean, you you know about. Um, Ruby's sexual tendencies so is this a sexual thing or is it to do with the the bloodbath that's gone on is it to do with the consumption of the industry you're not really sure anymore what this gaze is See, about I, I, I read that that, that look on, Jen, on, on, uh, on Ruby's face as because the, the idea being that uh, by consuming um Jesse, they, they they consume the essence of this beauty. That whereas these two previously hadn't been watched, you know, Ruby hadn't paid them attention. Be honest, in that kind of way, suddenly she is. You know, it's just suddenly by by consuming this this essence, they've become the one you notice. You know, there's talk early on about walking to the room and all the heads turn towards you, and that's what what I read. That was is that Ruby, who is whilst certainly in this scene, she's an outsider. She isn't a model. Um, she's a makeup girl rather, rather than a model um, so she is a watching voyeur rather than a participant all the way through everything and suddenly by them taking on this essence they were able to, she, she suddenly realised suddenly notices them whilst she, she couldn't handle it in the end because of her I think because of her sort of fake beauty shall we call it that um, that was how I read it myself one, one of the one of the particularly I suppose particularly creepy things that stuck with me is the the way that the Jack character behaves, and he's not. It, it's like he's. Mm. You can say with with Ruby's voyeurism that it's it's partly sexual. It's partly to do with them, as you said, having having consumed Jesse. But there's something.